you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Olivia, welcome to NBC Sports. Thank you so much for joining us. This being Women's History Month, International Women's Day. We want to know about you. I know your story. Can you tell America your story right now? So, um, I play for Leeds United. I'm Olivia Smart. I'm from Leeds, born and bred. Um, couldn't support another club, couldn't play for another club. Um uh, professionally as a job, I'm a nurse um, working in the NHS at the minute. And um, a lot of the story that I've told through um, my professional aspect of, of working in the NHS has been obviously surrounding um, the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Leeds United, obviously, as you may or may not know, have welcomed in the NHS um, to the club and allowed, allowed them to open a, a vaccination centre, which... I was lucky enough to be able to work in um, and vaccinate um, the, the first person that was vaccinated in the centre. Um, and yes, yeah, so for me, it like brought everything home, um, like professionally and personally, um, that all fit in for me and, and, and Leeds United like as a club is, is massively important to me. Um, and what they've done for me as a person, personally, what they've done for me as a professional, um, and what and currently what they're doing for the city of Leeds is is just huge. Um, and and I think you can probably appreciate that Leeds, as a football club, has made massive strides this season. You know, playing football um, on on and off the pitch is really important for me. But to be able to watch the boys play some excellent football this season has just been just been outstanding. I've um, I've grown up watching football in Leeds, and sometimes we've gone through some some tough times, and it's been a bit difficult to watch. Um, but everyone in the city of Leeds has stayed by it and um, embraced the club as a as a family. And like the city of Leeds is, um, we we've got behind one another, and and look, we deserve to be where we are as as a club as well. So um, that's just a bit about me and who I am, and and why Leeds is such a big thing for me. Let's talk about the balance of being a, a women's footballer for Leeds United and being a nurse. Can you give us a detail? How I mean, women in the world juggle a lot. That's what we do. How do you juggle those two roles? Time-wise, effort-wise, do you have time for anything else? Well, I don't spend a lot of time at home, that's for sure. And I'm, I'm usually pretty late for dinner, which is, is never a good thing. But um, yeah, I, I think... I think if you want to make something work, you can make it work. Um, and I've done. I've been lucky enough to just have that in my mindset um, for so long. And I, I did a little chat last night with some of the younger generations of Leeds United's academy and some of the younger girls in the, in in our club. And the massive thing for me is just resilience. Um, I think if you want to make it work, if you want to balance that work life balance, that uh, and for football, football for me is a passion. Um, so I, I wanted to to carry that on in my in my uh, life. So I think, you know, agreeing uh, with coaches that I might not be there sometimes, but making sure that I've got to put some extra work in off the pitch is just something that I accept. It's something that I I have to deal with. But um, if you want to make it work, you can make it work. Um, luckily, 
I've got a really nice boss who just allows me some time out to go and play football and a, and a coach that doesn't shout at me too much, so I'm, I'm lucky. Liam McHugh, Tim Howard, Danny Higginbotham. We are going to talk all about our match. It's an important one, but let's start here with Tottenham. When you hear Hugo Lloris use the word disgrace multiple mm-hmm. times there, it's never a good thing. This Tottenham club, out of the Europa League, eighth in the Premier League. But after hearing what you heard from Lloris, how much of this is on Jose Mourinho and how much of this is on the players? I think they both have to take responsibility. The one thing that was really concerning for me was that four words stood out. Disgrace, ambition, attitude and compromise. Now, you can have all the ability in the world as a footballer. Those four words have nothing to do with your ability. That talks about your mentality, your desire, your commitment. And to hear Lloris, who I look at that Tottenham team and I see him as a leader, to hear him call out his teammates, obviously didn't didn't name players, that's very, very concerning. Because I think what you've got by the looks of it is a group of players and he goes deeper into it. He's saying that if they're not in the starting eleven, they're not bothered. They're not interested in being involved. But then you've got Mourinho on the other side of things who isn't necessarily getting the best out of his plays because he isn't playing to their strength. So both, both parties have to take responsibility here. And, and last night was just, it, it was unbelievably bad. Yeah, and Tim, when both parties have responsibility, it doesn't matter regardless of sport. It's the manager who usually goes. That, that usually is the case, and, and, and Mourinho, we, we know he's a warrior. We're used to him being a fighter, and he looks broken. He looks downtrodden. He, that, that interview it had, no, had no life to it. And, and when you hear, and fair play to Hugo Lloris, I think he's a, I think he's a fantastic captain. He leads by the front. He didn't name names, which, which could be very detrimental. So that, that it's good he didn't do that, but we can only assume it's Bale. We can only assume it's players like Deli Alley. They have influence. And they haven't been playing a ton. And so when you look at that, Mourinho just hasn't ever quite gotten that right. From the beginning of the season, we saw that he, he pushed Dele Alley to the sideline, put him out in the cold a little bit, managed, tried to manage Bale, but didn't really play him a lot. So this is now starting to rear its ugly head. And I just wonder, I just wonder, yes, it's on the players, but we've seen Jose Mourinho in fo- before in the past deal with big-name players. No problem. He usually sorts that out. So this seems different. So at this point, can he save his job? I think it's going to be very difficult. I think when you look at the bigger picture of everything, if Tottenham don't make the top four, I think the consequences are going to be absolutely massive. Your top three goal scorer, Gareth Bale, we know that he's not going to be there next year. Kane, I think he goes. I think Son goes. And you've got this new beautiful stadium without European football in it and arguably two, your two best players potentially leaving the club. It, it would be an absolute disaster. It's a lot on the line. Do you think he can save his job? Uh, I don't think he's there next year, no. Interesting. Right now, eighth place, six back and fourth place. Chelsea, they do have the game in hand. And next month, they can pick up a trophy. League Cup final against Man City. Haven't won a major trophy since 2008. So that's a story near the top of the table. And we welcome you right back into the studio, Liam, Tim, and Danny. So you look at Fulham, the eight matches remaining. Championship Sunday, they will play Newcastle. This is a team that Fulham, we were talking about, found their footing mm. in the latter stages of that first half. What happened in the second half? Leeds United happened in the second half. I think so many, so many people going about Leeds United and have done for a number of years now saying that you know, they're going to tire because of their, the, the amount of work they put into games. If you look recently, the amount of goals they've scored in the second half, they're an absolute inspiration when you look at Bielsa, you look at the players, the, the work ethic, the, the collectiveness, and, and Fulham just couldn't deal with it. They had opportunities, but they didn't take advantage. And I think Scott Park will be very disappointed with 
the goals that they conceded because they were avoidable. There were so many great saves from Leeds in the first half. There was just the one shot on target, though, from Fulham in the second half. Well, that's what surprised me. I actually thought, they, we, Danny talked about it before the game, they can't match Leeds mm-hmm. for 90 minutes. So maybe just play a little cat and mouse the first half and then really turn yeah. the tempo up in the second half. They didn't do it. I thought the substitution was really good, bringing on Mitrovic because he needed to hold the ball up and bring them into the game, which he did. But a pattern of the game for Fulham was they were just too slow through the mm-hmm. midfield. Yes, Leeds pressed really well but they were just too slow in moving the ball. And, and ultimately, their downfall, they don't score goals often, but their downfall is their lack of clinical finishing. They had chances. Yeah. Lookman had chances today. Just didn't get good, clean contact on the ball. And that's when you look at their front three, you see a lot of that, just missed chances. What I love about this Leeds United team as well, and they showed it again today, is that whoever they play against, they don't change the way that they, they play. Plan B is to do plan A better. And they conserve so much energy because they dominate possession. So then when they press, the pace of the press is incredible. And Fulham just fell into the trap. Never once did they look to go over the top because we know that Leeds play a high line, but Fulham didn't take advantage of it. Well, Scott, on a big night for you, what did you make of what you got from your players? I was disappointed tonight. Disappointed. We, um, we didn't deserve nothing from the game, really, and the best team won tonight, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I thought... Game started and I thought we huffed and puffed and probably was a little bit fortunate to go in at 1-1. Um, in saying that, second half then comes along and you miss a massive chance just just before then they go and score. I think it's 20 seconds after and they go and score. Um, but I think it's fair to say um, best team on tonight. And uh, we, we, we struggled at times tonight and, 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 and that was disappointing. You talked beforehand about the importance of coping with their intensity. Mm. Did you feel like you did that? No, we didn't do that well enough. We didn't do that well enough. But the way Leeds play, they, um, they make the game like that. They make the game end-to-end. They, they, they want the game to be um, like a basketball match. We spoke about having cool leads in their moments, you know, obviously getting some control. And I know it's easier said than done. Of course it is. Um, but we struggled with that at times tonight. Definitely did. And I've stood here many a times during this season um, after a draw, after a loss, and, and said, you know what, we, we, we played really well. I don't think that was the case tonight. And we, yeah, like I said, probably didn't deserve much from the game. And yet, is there that feeling of what might have been big chance actually at nil-nil and a massive chance before they score the winner? Well, you're always in the game with Leeds. You're always in the game. Um, they score goals and put you under pressure like we see tonight, but you always have a chance because of the way they play. So, of course, that was the case. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think my result, in fact, like I said, overall is disappointing. It's, it's, it's not something which we've come to see in, in terms of our performance tonight, in terms of a desire and, 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 and a work I think it was there, um, but we just fell short at certain moments. Why do you think you fell short then? Because that really is not something you've been able to say, maybe since the early weeks of the season. Well, I think the, 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 the resigning factor is probably the way that Leeds play. The, the way that Leeds play in terms of the man-for-man out, uh, out of possession, it could, it, the, the game became too erratic. And you're playing against a team that want the game to be like that. They're the best at it in terms of phys- physicality in this division. They're probably right up there. And um, you you can't afford the game to become like you need to make good decisions under stress you need to make them good decisions and I just felt we didn't you know under stress at them moments we didn't make good decisions really and um, that's that's the reason well, what's the thinking with bringing Mitrovic on was set pieces always a likely avenue for you set plays were and that proved that I thought first half we, we caused them problems goal come from that had another chance as well I remember Madger um, 
And in terms of the first half, I didn't think we got a real control the way I'd wanted us to. So at that moment now, you, have, you need to go a little bit longer um, and felt that Mitrovic was, was that guy what could give us a little bit of a platform up top and, and get runners off him. All season long, really, the home form has not quite matched no. what you've done away. Three games left here. Yeah. And with respect to the opponents, they're potentially winnable games. Is Craven Cottage now the key for you? Yes, it's the key. Of course it is. There's eight games left, but also the away form, and, and, and we've been very good. We've got eight games now, eight finals. Um, teams in and around us, we've put ourselves in a great position. Of course we have. Very disappointed with tonight. But as always, like, like most, most times this year, um, this, is, this is a little blip. Of course it is. We've had many a blips at the start of the season, mid, midway through the season. We just hit a blip tonight. Um, we regroup and uh, we come back fighting like we have done for the majority this year. Bit of a job for you just to restore that momentum that has felt like it's been with you for a while now? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, big job, big, big job in terms of everyone, players as well. Um, this is part and parcel of the Premier League and if you have your off days in the Premier League or you just you have a dip in performance or, or and stuff like that, you get punished and we see that tonight. Like I said, uh, you know, we was well worthy of, of nothing from this game and the best team won tonight and sometimes as frustrating as, as hurt as much as I'm hurt to say that, that's the cold, hard fact of tonight's game. Um, we need to work out where it went wrong and, and go again from there. Thanks for your time. Cheers, Bye -bye. Patrick. Thank you. Cheers, Thank guys. You. Thank you. All right. Going into the match, both of you spoke about just how significant mm. you thought today was for Fulham and that if they got the win, not only would they be out of the drop zone initially, but they would be out of the drop zone when the season ended. Tomorrow we have a huge one. It's Brighton. It's Newcastle. The two teams directly above them. Do you still feel that way about Fulham? Do you still feel like when it's all said and done, that they will avoid the drop? Yeah, we haven't, we haven't seen the last of Fulham. They, I like their running more so than I like Newcastle's running. And mm -hmm. Newcastle has big problems injury-wise. Maybe Almiron gets himself fit in the next week or two, or even maybe he's fit, he's fit this weekend. No Callum Wilson. You know, they had, they, no, no St. Maxman. It's been, it's been a difficult run for them. Their best players are out. Look, if Brighton win tomorrow, they're 29 points. That gets them. That gets them to 32. I think they go. Hey, you two, go ahead and fight that out. I think. I think that's them cruising now, get, picking up a few more points. Then it just becomes between these two teams. And I just like. I, I like Fulham's running better. I agree, and I think the simple fact that I think five of the last eight games are away from home for Fulham, which I think benefits them. They are better away from home than they are at home, and. I agree with Tim. I, I look at Newcastle and look at Fulham. Newcastle, from the games that I've watched, are waiting to concede first and then get into the game, whereas Fulham are trying to take the initiative. It's not working for them, but they're creating opportunities. I don't see where Newcastle score from, and I know they've got these players to come back fit. They've changed the system mid-season to suit the three players and, um, to maximum, Wilson and Almiron, who have been out. So it'll be interesting to see what they do tomorrow. But I fully expect Brighton to take the game to Newcastle and Newcastle then to look to play on the counter. You think today's result at all influences how they approach tomorrow in terms of tension? No, it helps them. Obviously, mm. they didn't want a Fulham win. They didn't want certain Fulham to get a point. But there's still a lot of pressure on this game tomorrow. Neil, congratulations. Just how big a result does this feel like here and now? Uh, thank you, first of all. Uh, it's a massive win for us tonight. Uh, we knew before the game. Uh, that one was really important for us. Uh, last few weeks we've been struggling a bit. Uh, we won uh, last weekend against Southampton and to, like tonight we wanted to do great. 3-0 uh, win, uh, three goals, clean sheet. 
very good night for us. How good, how good does it feel to be back on the score sheet yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie, I'm really pleased because um, last few games I haven't been really efficient. Uh, I'm aware of that and you know sometimes there is up and downs but as long as you give everything and you work hard, uh, I knew um, it was coming and I'm glad uh, and grateful for the result and uh, be back on the score sheet tonight. Neil, for a game of this importance, there were three top quality goals as well, weren't they? Yes, they were very nice goals, yeah. We, we, I mean, uh, we were ready for, for that game and uh, our game plan was uh, really good, I think. And everyone just uh, knew what to do. And when we play like that, uh, with confidence, uh, we've got quality, we know that. Uh, but I think uh, sometimes we only play like one half for 45 minutes and tonight we played a full 90 minutes and that's what we got the win. It's a good point. Given the issue that Brighton have had this season with perhaps giving away leads at times, particularly here, how important looking back over this game was Danny's goal, the second goal, do you feel? Uh, I mean, I think um, it's because of the, this goal that we won the game because we, we could kind of feel that they were uh, getting back in the game. I think they hit the post a few minutes before that. And I think that was the turning point uh, in the second half. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy because this time it turned in our way and not theirs. Uh, so we're all really happy tonight. You're a team that everyone knows can put together some really good football without always having an end product. Do you feel you've proved a point tonight? Yes, you know, I think uh, sometimes we've been playing really well, but we haven't scored, or sometimes we scored and we conceded uh, too many goals. <sighs> we are aware of uh, our quality, but our weaknesses as well. And, you know, we, we just, we just got to believe in ourselves, keep working hard. And it's a tough league, um, you know, uh, we're playing every, uh, very good team every weekend, so it's not easy to get points. Uh, but two wins in a row now, we, we can have a little break and be back and ready for the, uh, the rest of the season. As you say, six points out of six. Just how much better does the league table look now than maybe seven days ago? Uh, before uh, the game last weekend against Southampton, uh, we, were, we were a bit down. Uh, but we can't complain. Uh, we can't feel sorry for ourselves. We just need a, need a fight. Uh, and, you know, when... Um, things aren't going in your way, it's easy to get to be negative and uh, to bring the head down, uh, but that's not what we do. Uh, we're working hard every day, uh, the manager believes in ourselves and us on the pitch, we know we've got quality, we know we, we can do great things uh, and we proved it tonight, but we've got a lot of games, you know, it's just two wins in a row, we need to keep going. Big result tonight, well done. Very good, yeah, cheers, thank you. You know, Mope really nailed it there. We talk about moments like this, you need a certain mentality. He talked about not having your head down, having a confidence. Graham Potter mentioned going to a match like this mm -hmm. and being brave. I feel like we now know what he means by that. Well, it was on display today. They, I think there was better quality in, in the Brighton side. And, and obviously, when you look at the goals, they're just, they were individual brilliance. Trussard has the four goals four assists on the season. There's a really nice balance to his game. And in each of these goals, we know Brighton's a good footballing team, but these were just really good individual efforts. And, you know, Welbeck hadn't scored in seven games. Mope hadn't scored in nine games. What we mentioned before the game, these are greedy, hungry goal scorers. They're going to get themselves in good goal-scoring positions, and they're going to keep wanting the ball. Yeah, I, I think when, when you look at Brighton, one of the things that I would say about them is that 
today, for the first time in a while, you probably look at Southampton, they're actually getting the results that their performances deserve. Mm -hmm. It's the icing on the cake for them. You know, everything had been OK, defence, midfield. It was just that final touch. And today, I'm sure that Graham Potter would probably come out and say, they've played better than that before and mm. got beat. Mm. And that's the big difference. They put their chances away. They've got match winners and they thoroughly deserved to get that result. And you wouldn't think there was just one place that separates Brighton and Newcastle. Post-games... After matches like these, we often talk about the idea that players either executed or they didn't. But you have to have a plan, and you have to have the proper plan in place to execute. Did it ever look like Newcastle had a clear-cut plan to win this match? Well, not for me, and I think you can see the frustration with the Newcastle players. There isn't really an idea or a plan of how they're going to win a football match. We've said Brighton haven't been good enough this season. They've had really good performances. But the thing that stands out to me for Brighton is, is Grand Potter and his players have a belief in how they're going to win a game. So the plan is there, and they continually hammer away at it. And, and not always get the perfect result, but they know how they're going to win. Newcastle doesn't – they might win a game, but they don't know how they're going to win the game. I think when, when I look at Newcastle, if you want to see what relegation looks like, rewatch that game. Because every single thing that stood out about Newcastle stunk of relegation. I think you had a group of players that didn't know what was expected of them. We often hear the term players have just chucked the towel and they're, 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 they're giving up, they're not playing for their manager. You have a group of players on that pitch at the moment. I don't think they're giving up for the manager. They don't know what's expected of them. You've got Steve Bruce, who is a very pragmatic manager. And you've, got, you've then got um, Graham Jones, who comes in, who's very different. Now, Tim, maybe you can tell mm. me different. What, what, was, what was Graham Jones like as your assistant? Well, well... Graham Jones is a disciple of Roberto Martinez, who's one of the most brilliant tactical managers I've ever known. Mm. He will have come in, and we talked about the diamond being, being Graham Jones. He's implemented that. But he's smart, smart and clever. He wants to play on the front foot. He wants to press the game with the ball, use it, very similar to how Brighton did. But he also knows coming in midseason as an assistant manager, he can only really tweak one or two things. So he's, he's obviously implemented the diamond, which is his, and, and we talked about how that doesn't work when, when you don't have your best players. But his ideas of how to play the game of football, it's very much ball dominant, on the front foot, getting up the pitch quickly and often. And right now, as an assistant manager, he can't do that because Steve Bruce is still the, the, the head coach mm -hmm. and he makes the final decisions. Recently, though, has that combination of voices led you to believe that they are the men and that Steve Bruce is the man that can keep this team up? It's, it's a really difficult one because people say, well, if you get rid of Steve Bruce, you might get that bounce. But mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's a very difficult one to tell. The one thing I would say is that when you're looking at a manager and a coach, have contrasting styles. We know that Steve Bruce is very pragmatic. We know that Graham Jones wants to be on the front foot. It's no surprise. Six of the last seven goals they've conceded have been in the second half. I don't feel the players are fit enough to be able to play this diamond system three quarters of the way through the season. But it was an idea to try and get more goals, to try and be more on the front foot. And it worked initially, but it's not working now. And, and, and this is going to be interesting because they are in a real, real fight. Mm. And when I look at their running of games, they've got... Big, big games that I don't think they can win. But beyond that, they continue to play this diamond. They'll get picked apart by the better teams, and the goal difference is going to be massive. And the team's built to contain, mm -hmm. not to take the initiative, and that's the problem. And they didn't contain in this one. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, on the other side, Grand Potter, you would have to say there is a clear-cut direction. They know how they want to play. They went out and played exactly that way today. They get the win. Let's hear from Grand Potter. Graham, congratulations. A big win tonight. How pleased were you with the way you achieved it? Uh, really pleased. I think the performance was fantastic. Players from the start were um, brave, they were smart, they worked hard, they reacted when we lost the ball. 
sorry, everything, pretty much everything. We had to, I think they, I think Newcastle hit the, hit the post in the early in the second half, which, like any Premier League football match, no matter how well you play, you need to survive those little moments. But apart from that, I thought we were the dominant team in the game and um, thoroughly deserved to win. How enjoyable was the quality of all three goals tonight? Yeah, really, really pleased for the for the guys because um, they've been working hard and, of course, there's a narrative around scoring, which we know you have to you have to score. Um, some games we haven't, but tonight we did, and um, it makes the game a lot easier if you do. The first goal tonight was always going to be very important, was it? Just how valuable is Leandro Trossard's finishing proving to be of late? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a fantastic run first off to get him behind the defence. I think, I think it's a really, really good pass as well, I think, from Joel. And then the finish is, is fantastic. It's a top, top, top goal. Uh, he's in a good moment. He's been a bit unlucky this season, to say the least. He's hit the bar and post a few times. And, um, but it's nice for him. He keeps, get, keeps getting in there, keeps going. Um, and in the end you get your rewards. Graham, how satisfying was the game management side of things tonight? Because we've stood here many a time this season and you've dropped points from winning positions. Yeah, I th I th like I said, uh, I thought overall we were the dominant team, but you still need to survive a moment. And um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily game management. It's, it's football to a certain extent. You can't stop everything. We um, we did that and then we, and then we carried on imposing ourselves in the game. And um, I think the second goal is of course a cushion it makes us feel a, a bit better and then the third goal is another really good goal so um, overall I think I thought we played well I thought we we, we showed a really good attitude um, real good courage like I said and um, just delighted for the players they've, they've, they've had to suffer so it's nice for them to get a uh, three points off a, a really good performance. You mentioned the second goal. You gave Danny Welbeck another start tonight and he rewarded you with a goal. How crucial is a fit and firing Danny going into these final weeks of the season, do you feel? Well, I said before, he's a really important player for us. Um, it's nice to have him back. We missed him when he was, when he was injured. But um, he's been great around the place. Fantastic guy. <clears throat> Got some quality, of course, and... Um, he showed it tonight. I thought he was uh, excellent with his movement, with his intelligence in terms of where to, where to link up, where to play, where to run. So, delighted for him. Graham, in the end, it is, of course, all about the points. But just how important was a really positive performance, a positive result going into the international break now? Well, I, I think the last time we were here, we were disappointed with our second-half performance against Leicester. Um, we had four games where you're scratching your head how you've only got one point because our performances were quite good. So, in the end... We know that we're here to get points, um, but the way we got them tonight was give the players a lot of confidence, I think, and a lot of belief, and it's a reward for them for their, for their effort, for their resilience, how they've stuck together, how they've kept working, and it's, it's, it's three important points, but we need to keep going. That's how it is. Ryan, commiserations. How do you feel this one got away from you in the end tonight? Um, yeah, uh, first half weren't good enough, and then... When you're not playing well, you need to get through to half-time at 0-0. And then, obviously, with the injury, um, I don't know if uh, we kind of lost concentration a little bit or what it was. And, obviously, to lose the goal when you're not playing well um, just for half-time is not, it's not nice. And then we just kind of fell apart, to be honest. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look back at it. And it's, it's a game gone now, um, which was a must-win. And, uh, yeah, we need to go and save our season now. It did look like a bad injury to Isaac in the first half. Do you feel that did affect the players a little bit at that time? Yeah, but it shouldn't. Um, I know it was a lengthy delay, but at the same time, 
we've got to be um, professionals and uh, get our minds back onto our jobs and what we need to do. And the goal we conceded was just silly. And uh, in the second goal, I think it was, it was identical goal. And we can't, we need to learn from it. You can't, can't let it happen again. Brian, was the timing of that first goal, given the importance of this game as a whole, was that a real kick in the teeth? Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't think it changed probably the manager's half-time team talk, to be honest, because we weren't good enough anyway. So um, to go 1-0 down, um, it, was, it was a blow. So, um, yeah, it's not nice and uh, yeah, we need to put it right now. You went closest, didn't you, to responding with a shot against the post at the start of the second half. But in the end, why do you feel you weren't able to create more when you really needed to? Um, I think they had the ball so long and uh, when you don't have the ball yourself, it's when you do finally get the ball, it's, it's one, of them, one of them things that you need to expand quickly and we, we probably didn't do that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just... Uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say. I'm just, uh, just disappointed. No. This was a big game, as everyone knows, and it's not the results you wanted. Is the belief still strong in your dressing room that between you, you can pull out of trouble? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got very good players in the squad. So, um, like I say, the, the, the game's gone now. Um, and uh, we move forward and we try and save our season. Um, we're still not in the bottom three, so, yeah, we, we need to put it right. We've got international break now. Some, some boys are going away. Some boys are staying train, um, and uh, we need to put it right. Steve, a really tough night in the end. How did you see it? Oh, well, certainly was that. Uh, we, we were simply beaten by a far better team on the night. It was a, it was a very difficult evening for us, and um, we have to accept it and, uh, and take the responsibility for it because um, it was at times a little bit too easy for Brighton but take nothing away from our opponents they were better in every department It was a big game for two sides tonight we've just spoken to Ryan Fraser he said we just weren't good enough in the first half why do you feel that was? What was missing tonight? Well without the ball and with it it was a big problem we kept surrendering possession back to them and we all know they're a very very decent football team and, and, um, and we didn't do enough without the ball either so when that happens in the evening, it becomes a very difficult evening for you. We needed to get to half-time, and we didn't quite just get there. Ryan's, you know, hit the post, but just after... But, look, you know, in the night, we were well beaten by a far better team on the night. How did you try and pose a threat in the second half? You had to come back. Yeah, I mean, well, we... Um, we know we're a little bit short in that department, but uh, you know, and we knew at once at some stage we have to take Almer on. We knew we'd probably last an hour, so that was always in the back of our mind, of course. And unfortunately, when you're three 0 down, it's very difficult to chase a game. So um, it became pretty difficult to get after Brighton and um, and and try and force our way back into the game. But in the end, for you, was the biggest disappointment in that position that you didn't really hurt them in the second yeah, in half? Yeah, the, in the, in the, uh, my biggest thing was, look, we can analyse the whole thing. We weren't good enough on the night. For that, I take the res full responsibility like I, like I should. We were nowhere near the levels where we should be. And uh, that's, that was a big concern because a big game, we didn't do enough. And we knew, we knew, we all know how decent Brighton are with the ball, but we didn't do enough with it or without it. And it became a very difficult evening. It became even more difficult when you lost a key figure in Isaac Hayden in the first half. How is he? Well, I'm sure he'll have scans. It doesn't look too good at the moment. He's got a he's got a knee injury. How how bad? I'm not so sure. But he'll obviously have scans over the next 24, 48 hours, and hope it's not too bad. Well, our best wishes go with him as well. Nine games to go. 
this was a big night for both sides, as I've said. How much more difficult does the situation appear for you now as a result of this result? Well, it's always going to be difficult. Look, whoever was going to get the result tonight was going to feel a, a huge a huge lift to whoever it was. Um, we've got to accept that we weren't good enough. So we've got to dust ourselves down. Hopefully we can, um, we can get a couple back maybe in the next couple of weeks. But even then, they've been out that long. It's, it's of course, a worry. So um, look, we've got nine games to go. We've been doing well of late to a degree. Um, we have to accept tonight we, we were nowhere near good enough to get the result. Here and now, how much do you feel your season depends on getting Callum Wilson in particular back and keeping him fit? I think the big problem is, of course, then is, of course you need your big players when you're, when you're in your big games. But, look, it's going to take time. You know, they've both got muscle injuries, which is always a concern. So you can't rush them back either. So um, we're aware that we're without we're big players, but... You know, we can't make that an excuse for tonight. We were nowhere near the levels which is required and, um, and didn't get there at all. Does that surprise you, given the importance well, of the Well, the magnitude fixture? of the game, yeah. That's yeah. what disappoints me. And, and um, as I said, we probably needed to get to half-time, to, especially now with, with Isaac going off. We didn't quite manage to do that and, uh, and change things after that. But, you know, we just in the best part of the game, probably, in the opening five minutes of the second half, we've, we've conceded another goal and a third one very, very quickly. You've been in similar situations to this before with your experience. How confident are you and your staff that you have the tools to turn this round at the end now this season? Well, I've been in it a long, long time, so it's very, very difficult, and we all know what's ahead of us. So I hope that I can rely on my experience. We're still confident that we can get out of the situation we're in. I'll never give up that fight, that's for sure. And, um, you know, we'll have to get ready for the challenge what lies ahead. All right, because of their poor performance here tonight, we've been discussing this team as if they were 19th or 20th. They are 17th. They are two points clear of Fulham. They do have the game in hand. Nine matches remain. He's not walking away. He's confident. Are you? Are you confident? What do they have to do to stay up? And is Steve Bruce the man who can do this? They've got to change their mindset. There's always a team every single season that thinks they've got mid-table sorted out. And the mindset you have to have from mid-table to relegation battle is chalk and cheese. Two completely different mindsets. And they have fallen into this relegation fight and the mindset needs to change quickly. You can talk about the manager changing, you know, what, what would happen and, and what have you. And it's, it's a difficult one because Steve Bruce is, as we said before, he's a very pragmatic manager. And I understand that and I get that. But in order to, to be pragmatic, especially when you're down the bottom of the, the league, you need to have a goal scorer. And until Callum Wilson comes back, I don't see the possibility of anything changing. It's simple now. It's Newcastle and Fulham. This is it. Newcastle look broken. Mm -hmm. They look beaten. And Fulham don't. Yeah, OK, Fulham's not going to win every game. But there's an upbeat nature about the, about the team. They don't look downtrodden. They, their body language tells me, Scott Parker's body language tells me that they're going to get out of it. it Callum Wilson to come back, yes. St. Maximum to come back, yes. But Steve Bruce said there, these are muscle injuries. You can't just bring them back and mm -hmm. play 90 minutes and hopefully they'll be at their best after a really long time out. You know, when he talks there, Steve Bruce, about they, they were beaten in all facets of the game. This is, they have nine big games left. If they can't get up for this game, 
Yeah. What, what tells us that he can motivate his team to get up for the next nine games? And by the way, I hate the look of their running. I mean, I, mean, I, look, yeah. I look at that fixture list. I'm not sure they win any of their next seven games getting up to Sheffield United and, and Fulham in the last mm. two games. The concerning thing for me is, is that they, they were beaten in all areas of the, of, of the pitch today by a relegation candidate mm-hmm. with them. Now, it's one thing to set up the way that they did today when you were playing Manchester United, when you were playing Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, the best teams. That, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's fair enough. But when you're playing against teams around you, you have to be the dominant team. You have to go and ask the questions. It's as though they need that They need that fright. They need to concede a goal to then come into the game. But the way Newcastle are playing at the moment, they're not scoring many goals. They concede the first goal. It's game over. And I think as we go back to the situation with Wilson and St. Maximum, it's the idea, the separation between the physical wellness and the mental wellness mm. of this team and the confidence of this team. Does getting those two players back automatically flip a switch where they could have a mentality that's different now? It gives them a lift. But again, this team doesn't know how they're going to win the game. So maybe they give it to St. Maxim and let them go one-on-one. And hopefully that works. It gives them a boost. But again, with these injuries and these layoffs, it's going to take time. They don't have time. I st- you look at the game today, I saw Joe Ellington at right wing, saw him at centre forward, saw him at central midfield, saw him at right back. Um, I saw Fraser, centre forward, left wing, central midfield, left back. I saw central midfielders in, as in terms of Shelby at the base of the diamond, saw him at the tip of the diamond. I don't think the players know what's expected of them. When I, yep. when I watch a team personally, you know, there are a good team, you know what their aim is within watching them for two or three minutes because you can see the plan. I saw the plan from Brighton today. I didn't see what Newcastle's plan was. All right, we have just about two months remaining in this Premier League campaign. Fulham or Newcastle, which one of those two teams do you believe will be relegated? Newcastle. I, I, almost no doubt about that. Yep, said it, said it yesterday, even after Fulham got beat. I still fancy Fulham. All the pressure's on Newcastle. You can see the Fulham players. They believe in what they're doing. And that is a big key difference. And the only pressure that's on Fulham is from within. Everybody wrote them off quite a long time ago. Welcome in studio. Glad you're with us today. Danny Higginbotham, Ahmed Farid, Tim Howard. We'll get to our game in just a second, West Ham versus Arsenal. But let's start with Newcastle. You hear the chatter from a lot of supporters out Mm -hmm. there, many of which think it's time for a change at uh, the manager position with Steve Bruce. Thought it may happen after Mm -hmm. that result yesterday, but reports today that their owner, Mike Ashley, has come out in full support of Steve Bruce. What do you make of that? It's it's an interesting one because he's not been afraid to get rid of managers before. I remember Shearer came in March, April time. Benitez came in March, April time as well. But they both both times they got relegated. So I don't know whether he's looking at that and thinking to himself, well, I've tried going another way and it's not worked. I think it's it's also about who's available out there at the moment, who who's out of a who's out of a job. It's 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 a very difficult one, and I just see really tough times ahead for Newcastle. Tim, well, I don't believe him. You know, the, the the dreaded vote of confidence from your owner that really doesn't carry much weight in the in the Premier League as we know. And the international break is coming up is traditionally a time when when it, it buys ownership time to to bring in a new manager. I don't, I don't love it. I, I hear what, what mm. you're saying about the supporters. It's, just, it's a nasty time for a yeah. manager because he can't even drive his car to a grocery store without people mm. you know, saying, hey, get lost. And so it's, just, it's, it's really difficult. We look at yesterday and we think they look at beaten side. They don't have any – it just doesn't seem like there's any excitement to even play football anymore. And that, that, that also stems from the manager a little bit. I think one of the things is, is that you look about who's available, who would want to take mm, the job. Sure. 
do you promote from within? You've got Graham Jones, who's been brought into the club. Obviously, from the outside looking in, you see him as assistant manager. You obviously had him at mm. Everton. Could you see him being a manager? Well, I, I did. I, wor I worked with Graham Jones uh, yeah. at Everton. He's a disciple of, of Roberto Martinez, and, and he's brought the diamond in, which has been much maligned, really, at Newcastle because they don't have the players to play the system. But as an assistant manager coming in, he would only have been able to implement one or two opinions. Now, he does come from the school of defend with the ball, play with two sixes, on the front foot, attack, attack, attack. And so... If he were to become manager, obviously that's, that's massive speculation, this is, what, this is what this team would be. It wouldn't be pragmatic the way they are mm -hmm. under Steve Bruce. Now, I think ownership, maybe even chief exec, would probably get into the ears of some of the players and say, hey, would you play better, stronger, harder for a guy like Graham Jones versus Steve Bruce? That's where the decision-making process comes down to because there's not a lot of time left. Yeah, so you're juggling all this here. Mm -hmm. If you were Mike Ashley and you're thinking of, okay, we could get a – uh, manager bounce with a new manager here, or we got to just stick with the plan with Steve Bruce. What would you do? Something needs to happen, but it goes down to the question of who do you bring in? Yeah, exactly. Who do you bring in that, that can deal with it? People talk about Eddie Howe. Well, Eddie Howe got relegated with Bournemouth last season. When a new manager comes in, at, at this stage of the season, when you're in the relegation zone, it's not to completely change your style. It's just mm -hmm. to give a boost, to make, make defensively strong. Because I watched a team yesterday, Newcastle, that... They had no identity. I don't think the players knew what was expected of them. They just looked completely lost. And when they conceded that first goal, it was game over, Tim. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you thought. The, the characteristics and the mentality just looked so wrong. Yeah. Well, if, if, if I was the owner and, and the idea is to stay up, yeah. I think you have to make a change. Mm. This team just doesn't look like they're committed. They don't look like they have an idea, as you mentioned, how to win a football match. And if, and if Graham Jones... Is the, is the man who's already in place as, as the assistant manager can come in and give that boost, then I think it's the right decision. It's a tough call. It's a huge call, and it's going to have a big part to play in Newcastle's yeah. history. They're trying to stay up right now, not looking great, although, as of right now, they are above the bottom three. Who mentioned the fact that they hoped that West Ham didn't just <laughs> fall back and play defense after getting out to that 3-0 lead, and that's exactly what it looked like it happened here. Well, that was the worry. You know, they, they, they weren't great at the end of the, the first half. Arsenal did score the goal, got it back to 3-1, which wasn't the end of the world. You still mm -hmm. take going into halftime up, up two goals. The worry was that you would, they would come out in the second half, sit off, and concede space. I don't have that much of a problem with that tactic as much as it was when they were in this deep line, two blocks of four, when the ball did penetrate and get into these little pockets. West Ham never got up against Arsenal shirts. And this is the same Arsenal team they played in the first half. Good players. When they were put under pressure, they turned the ball over. When they have time and space, they look world-class players, and that's what happened. I thought Odegaard was sensational mm. in this second half. Absolutely magnificent. You can see why he's got the reputation that he's gotten. A couple of things that, that made that happen was I think his West Ham tired and the fact that they were under pressure as a defender, first and foremost, you drop back because you want to protect the goal. But what was happening in front of them, Suchek and Rice, they didn't want to drop back. So all of a sudden, the gap that wasn't there between the midfield and the defence in the first half was there. And Odegaard kept getting into those spaces. And like I said, I just thought that he was the best player on the pitch, in my opinion. I thought it was absolutely magnificent. So what about for Arsenal here? That's a gut check for, mm -hmm. to be down mm -hmm. 3-0 in the first half. Mentioned they haven't done this all but one other time in the Premier League before. That's a strong performance for them. What would you think of it? Well, I thought it was strong. I also thought it was indicative of their season. You know, they, they, they sit right smack at mid-table. They don't deserve any more, any less. There are some times when they turn up mm -hmm. and have great games and other times when they just get brushed aside. Today was actually a tale of two halves. It was, you know, the first half they, they, got, they got pressed and the teams that come and press them, mm. it, it disrupts them. 
last week in, the, in North London Derby. Jose Mourinho and Tottenham set off them, gave them the game, and they bossed the game. And so that, that's exactly the blueprint is there for any team that's going to, to play Arsenal Football Club. If you press them, you'll have a bit of joy and some luck. If you come off them a little bit and, and give them time and space, they'll pick you apart. Look at the substitutions as well. I think it's a really difficult situation for Moyes because what he's wanting to do is wanting to solidify the defence. So he brings in, brings on Noble, brings on Fredericks. He took off Bone and he took off um, Ben Rama. Now all of a sudden you're saying, right, okay, we're going to be defensively stronger, but you're asking then we're going to have to soak up pressure. Whereas you look at Arsenal's substitutions, you see Martinelli coming on, you see Smith throw, you see Pepe coming on, it just completely changed the dynamic. So I think Arteta deserves credit for that because he's just gone, right, we're going to go with one defence midfielder and we're just going to go for it to try and get back into the game. And they also probably played 10 yards higher up in the second half and West Ham weren't able to get out as they were so easy in the first half. If West Ham were able to win this game, they'd be level on points with Chelsea, fourth place, we'd say they have a real shot at a top four spot how realistic is that hope now for them you think well there's still enough games to play where they can they can prove their worth they've been good over the over the strength of the season not long left to go I don't think this is going to deter them from mm. you know possibly challenging for a top four spot yeah very active in this game was Alexander Lacazette his club high 11th Premier League goal this season was the equalizer he's talking after the match well, Alexander, a hell of a game, a brilliant comeback, not the three points in the end, but how would you assess that? Uh, my feeling is mixed between proud of my team because we came back in the second half and uh, disappointed with the first half we did, 30-35 minutes, where we didn't respect the, the game plan from the coach and uh, free, free goal for them. So this is not what we wanted, but we have to, to think about it in two weeks. Two potential goals for you. The first one ruled as, a, as an own goal in the end, but you got your one in the end, the second goal, and it was the equaliser. It was an important one, wasn't it? Well, I think the first goal is mine. It was given as an own goal, unfortunately. Oh, Sorry not, about that. That's not nice, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Diana scores the second goal, the third goal in the second half. We come back for the, for the draw. How much credit does Callum Chambers deserve for his impact in the game today? A lot of credit because he came back from a big injury. Um, he walked a lot, he walked a lot uh, in training, uh, individual as well. And uh, when he had um, some time from the coach, he showed that he deserved to play for Arsenal. So I'm really happy for, for him and uh, I hope the best for him for the season. You said you didn't respect the, the game plan from the coach. Why did we see that today? I don't know, maybe we had the pressure because we knew it was a big game. Uh, this is where we have to improve as well. So. Um, yeah, we have to, to work a lot about this to, to be ready for the end of the season. Is it frustrating as well, those goals that came in quick succession for West Ham in the first half, a couple of those opportunities where perhaps the team weren't fully switched on? Yeah, yeah, really disappointed and it's really complicated uh, when we do this kind of kind of game, this kind of, kind of different half uh, time. So we need to, like I said, we need to work a lot to improve uh, by the end of the season. Did you feel there were a couple of opportunities as well, one for you where you felt pulled back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think even with the, the bad first half we did, we could come back um, and score more. But this is football. We can't be perfect. We have to, to still work a lot every day in training to, to, to win this kind of game. Well, Mikel, a very eventful game. How did you see it? Well, I'm very disappointed because um, I cannot accept 
my team to play the way we did for uh, certain periods in the first half, the goals that we conceded, because what I expect is the team to play the level that we showed afterwards, which we played incredibly well. We should have scored six or seven goals. But we are all the time on the verge because we have two phases. And the first phase um, is about giving goals to the opponent and not doing what we have to do, and, and it's not good enough. Alexander Lacazette came out afterwards and said that they didn't respect the game plan. Your players didn't respect it. How frustrating is it for you that you know they can play to a high level, but they don't? I don't know. The first goal, it can happen. It's a really good combination. They do that. They play that channel ball. There is two actions. They have players in the box. It's got a brilliant goal. It's fine. Up to that, it's fine. The way we consider the second one is unacceptable. The third goal is unacceptable. And we still give them one more after the throw-in the last day. We give them the throw-in and they hit the post. And yeah, it's too much margins because then you have to score six every every game. For the rest, the attitude, the desire that we showed and the togetherness that we showed because a 3 nil is really difficult to do what we've done. But I have no doubts because we talked about it and I can see every day the energy and, and the cohesion that the players have. And uh, we get it really close to winning. I think we deserve to win it at the end. But um, the first pass really worries me. There were moments as well in that, in that first 30 minutes where the goals were conceded and, and the energy wasn't there. Why, how do you explain the, the moments where they switched off, especially for the free kick? I unacceptable because we talked about that all the time, but it happens. I don't know if it's hangover from Europe, uh, tired, uh, you lose your focus, uh, the game is taking over because you are losing. I don't know what it is. Um, it wasn't only one or two players, there were more that uh, switched off on the case. So we have to correct that dramatically quickly. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang made his way back into the starting lineup today. He looked slightly uncomfortable on the right to begin with. In hindsight, is, is that something that you wanted to address? He did switch back. Well, uh, with the way we wanted to play, it made all the sense for him to play there. But obviously, we didn't have the ball, we didn't win any duels, everything it was long ball, second ball, and it was in our game. And then he could not have any influence in the game. When we started to play a little bit, I decided to switch them because as well, we were having some issues on that side defensive-wise, and we were more stable. Not because of this, because we started to do what we had to do. Those positives that you talk about, you said the mentality to get back into the game when you are 3-0 down. Also, one of them, um, Chambers, on the right-hand side, he was described by uh, Jamie Carragher as Cafu-like. No, he was uh, really good. Uh, he's been training really well. It's a player that gives us something else. He gives us some height as well in the back line, which we need with the team that we have at the moment. Um, and he was super. He was really fishing in the final third as well. So I think he had a great performance. Jesse, I imagine that's a game of mixed emotions for you. How do you feel now? Disappointed. Um, you know, going 3 0 up and then, you know, dropping back, not having the confidence to, to go and get another goal. You know, I think second half we could have we could have finished it off. We missed a couple of chances. Um, and you know, if we want to, you know, be fighting for for top four, I think we need to be, be putting them away and just having the confidence to play. Is that all? It's down to confidence with the moments where you kind of switched off because we saw it from Arsenal as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, when we start like that, it's, um, you know, we need to, to carry on as a team and, and kick on from there. And 
and, and go and get more goals. Um, you know, I felt like we, we dropped off a bit. Um, you know, obviously they had a, a little bit more possession and, you know, coming in at 3-1, it makes things difficult. Um, you know, second half, we, we need to start quick and, you know, Lacazette's nearly, nearly scored, um, you know, in the first 10 seconds of the second half. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a lapse in concentration and, and focus, I think. There was a moment as well at uh, this side where John Moore stopped playing. You were just about to break and it looked like, uh, especially David Moyes, was rather frustrated with it. Yeah, um, you know, we was obviously through on goal, um, you know, 2v1 me inside. I'm not sure why he, why he stopped it. He said there was a, a head injury, but not, you know, none, none of the players went down. Um, so, you know, I have to take it back, but, um, you know, we can't let, you know, rely on, on things like that when, you know, we've got to put the game to bed. It might be quite difficult to reflect on it now because um, you did, you were 3-0 up. But you played a big part in that, your goal and your assist as well, and, and the quick to think on your feet and, and to take that free, quick, free kick as quickly as you did. Can you look back at that and, and think, look, I missed the game against Manchester United. I had to, but I came back with a bang. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to help the team, um, you know, any which way I can. And, um, you know, like I say, it's a, it's a team game. Um, you know, everyone's, you know, disappointed in the dressing room. You know, I feel like we, we should have come away with the three points. And, um, you know, we, we have to move on and, and pick ourselves up and, and take the positives. Does it show how far this team has come that you are very disappointed about losing out to an Arsenal side and it's you guys that are knocking on top four? 100%. You know, the, like I say, the, for the past, um, you know, um, you know, five, six games, I feel like the, the focus and concentration has been there and, um, you know, as a group, we, we've stuck together through through the difficult, you know, periods of the game and, you know, today, like I say, it's just a, a little bit of lapsing concentration and, um, you know, we should have put the game to bed. Well, David, I imagine lots of positives and lots of negatives from that game. How do you see it? It was a really good game, tough game, lots of goals. Uh, we played very well, uh, and especially in the opening sort of 30 minutes, we were excellent. And uh, unfortunately, we, we gave them a goal just before half-time from a deflection, which I think the shot was going wide, which gave Arsenal a bit of a, a foot up. So uh, that made it more difficult. The circumstances that led to the Craig Dawson own goal as well, Jared Bowen looked really frustrated at that particular moment in time, like he wanted a free kick. Yeah, I think I think there was a lot of frustration throughout the game about about the decisions. You know, uh, we didn't feel as if it was uh, it was correct today, but uh, that's the way football goes sometimes. Was one of those as well the, the John Moss when he stopped to play Jesse Lingard was through. Yeah, but as I said, I, I thought there was a few, but again, I'm not. I wouldn't. I'm not going to go on with it. So, yeah. when you look back at that game, especially the first half, and, and you pick out the positives of that, there were so many bright moments, especially mm -hmm. Jesse Lingard, where he yeah. decided to take the free kick quite quickly. His goal before that as well. Can you dwell on those? Yeah, look, the, it, we had we played very well for long periods. We didn't. I mean, Arsenal played really well, but Arsenal are in, are in good form at the moment and and showing good things. So. Uh, it wasn't a great result for us after going 3-0 up, but uh, but it was still a good result. You know, we, we've still kept ourselves moving along. It was a tough game for us, and uh, we showed that we're up there competing with the best teams. Mikel Antonio as well came, came so close. A couple of big chances for him, especially at 3-2. Yeah, 3-2 with a, with a couple of moments just to maybe possibly win the game. Who knows? But, uh, look, they didn't go in. We just didn't quite get a, get the finish to them. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep it going and hopefully keep challenging the top teams. You said it before about the fact that you are a West Ham side now that are trying to get into the top four and that is a, an indication of how far you've come. Does it also show today that an Arsenal side that you've managed to, to get a point out of this game? 
Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that uh, you know, it's, it's been a long time since we've. I think we finished above Arsenal, to be honest, in the league. If you're at West Ham, so you know we've, we've done our best to make sure they can't catch his Arsenal. So we're trying to stay in the, the top half of the league. I think at the start of the season, if we'd said that, we'd have said it's good. But now we want more. You know, now I'm, I'm greedy, and I mean. You know, you should see the dressing room in there. They're devastated because they haven't taken all three points. So it's a good sign for a manager, though, because uh, we know we have to have to do a lot of things better than we did do, especially in the second half. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now.